Hi, you're listening to episode 29 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna. And we are recording on Tuesday, August 28th. Ooh, it's been a crazy summer. It has. We've been, I feel like we've been trying to get this recorded for like a month, since like the beginning of August. And just yep. both of our schedules have been a little bit, a little bit busy. So a lot of August has been a lot of really bad luck. Yeah. I came home very suddenly to to my parents' home um, in the middle of August on, I think, like, two days after we were supposed to record because of stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. And so that that's part of the reason we're so late on this. Yes. My bad. Uh, well, also, like, I, like, I am, have no energy. It's so hot again. Like, last week it was so nice, and I was hoping, like, that would, that would like, continue, but it's so hot again. And I'm very pregnant and it is just very <laughs> uncomfortable I'm it's like, true I can see her she's super pregnant I know like and it's I'm only seven months <laughs> so I've still got like two more months to go but like I feel so big and unwieldy and like just like in constant pain like back pain <laughs> and like like it's just anyway this isn't a this isn't a sort of complaints <laughs> about being pregnant podcast but it could be because I could talk about it for like hours how much how uncomfortable it is but in that note, I'm um, just or in that vein, just a note that we're going to go on a kind of non-regular recording schedule starting in October, just because I'm pregnant and we don't, I have no idea how it's all going to work or what's going to happen. I'm not due till kind of mid to the end of November, but um, I did not realize how tired I would be all the time, and so mm-hmm. it's just like it takes twice as long to get anything done. So like just even like treading water with work has been difficult. So, yeah, so erratic recording schedule starting in October, but hopefully by February we'll be back to normal. Yeah, we should be, and, I mean, depending on everything. Yeah, so um, um, that's fingers crossed. But just so everyone knows, if we disappear for, like, a month or two, that does not mean we don't love you all and that the podcast is over. It just means that I'm very, very cranky is what that <laughs> means, probably because my baby is not sleeping or something. So, um, uh, so in our month and a half long. Oh god, there's so much there's so much <laughs> so much has happened. Bear with us. Oh my gosh. So we have like a list of of we tried to pick out, you know, like a few of the mo- most interesting stories to us. Like we know we are not covering everything, but like obviously one of the biggest things to come out this summer is the Star Wars Resistance trailer. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited the about it. Tiniest woo. I know. I was I was in the middle of a yawn when she st- and then I was like I was like saying the woo on the end of the yawn and so and so it, I am more excited than that. But yeah, we, we are tra- both very excited. The trailer looks really fun. It does. I love the animation. I love the like cell shaded sort of mm-hmm. animation look they're going mm-hmm. for, which is so different than Clone Wars and different than Rebels. Yeah. And I really just liked, it seems like a, it seems like the kind of like, it's not a Rogue Squadron movie, but it seems like the kind of Rogue Squadron movie we've wanted and haven't, or like, not movie, TV show, we've all kind of wanted and not really got, like, it seems, it seems like a lot of fun. Like, you don't get a lot of information about the plot um, from the trailer, but you do know, like, the main character is working as a spy for the Resistance and, like, trying to figure out, like, who sympathizes with the Resistance versus who is not necessarily working for the First Order, but doesn't sympathize with the Resistance versus, you know, you know, sympathizing um, mm-hmm. with the First Order. 
Um, so it sounds like a really interesting um, premise. And then the setting, we're going to, I think we're going to get a lot of like development of the resistance and development of the first order. We're going to get a lot of stuff in that vein. And I think it's going to be a I lot know. of interesting like universe building that we haven't gotten yet. About I'm that pretty time excited period. about it. Like mm-hmm. I love the idea of a Star Wars spy thriller. Yes. You know, like this, I, this like, I'm excited about seeing the spy thriller side of things and, and getting to see what it's like bringing that genre into Star Wars. Right. Basically. Right. I think is going to be really, really exciting and cool. Um, and, and Christopher Sean is the lead voice. I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember his name in the show, but he, I think is going to bring in just judging from the trailer is going to bring an enthusiasm and a lightheartedness to a series mm-hmm. that is otherwise probably going to be pretty like it's going to deal with some serious topics and themes. Um, but like, it's clear that they're also going to have fun with it. Cause you know, it is a cartoon. It is aimed at yeah. more than just adults. And it, so it should, it shouldn't be dark and gritty and it's not going to and, be. And Star Wars is, Star Wars is a, it's children's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's depth to it and there are layers to it, but it is a franchise that is aimed at being as accessible for children as it is for adults, yes. right? Like, it, yeah. So, of course, this is going to do the same thing that Rebels and Clone Wars did, which was balance the children-focused aspects of it and have yeah. this depth for adults who are also watching, I would hope. Yes, so, and then in more Star Wars news, there's a lot of Star Wars news. There is a lot of, there was a lot of Star Wars stuff that happened this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, two new books were announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. I mean, a, f- a few things were announced at San Diego Comic-Con, but uh, two of the books we're really excited about are Padme, the new E.K. Johnston YA novel yes. that comes out in March, I believe. Sounds right. Um, and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, the new Claudia Gray, which is also so exciting because Claudia Gray, both Johnston and Claudia Gray have an amazing grasp on the Star Wars world yeah. and the characterizations of these people. Yep. And um, <laughs> Preeti is still at her parents, and her parents, her mom's <laughs> dog, is is in the is is right now just looking for some cuddles slash asking why are you making so much noise while I'm trying to sleep and it's so cute and I can't. <laughs> Okay. Sorry. Um, no, he's so cute. His name is Darcy. And if you do not know Darcy, you should follow Preeti on Twitter because she's been sharing some excellent Darcy um, photographs as as she and uh, Darcy read Harry Potter together, which I think she'll get That's into true. later in the episode. Um, but, yeah, I'm really excited about these for multiple reasons. Claudia Gray has talked about how she wants to write a Qui-Gon novel for, like, ever. So, um mm-hmm. That's really good. I think it's interesting that they're leaning so hard into the prequels right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess until until this story is done yeah. for post, you know, because anything they write that takes place in between, I guess, um, six and seven. They're not going to write it, basically. Right. right now. It, it'll have ramifications on nine, right? Yeah. So, like, it's very, I so, think Bloodline it might be the only book we've gotten set during that time frame. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so, yeah, so it's going to be a while yet. Oh, and then, like, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, I guess, but that wasn't uh, really. That doesn't really count. Yeah, it's, it's not really a, 
it's more of a, like a myths and legends type book than like yeah. an actual like, like variant where it's like I heard this about Luke Skywalker right. I heard this about Luke Skywalker and you're like well what's the truth though yeah and I know I know some <laughs> people absolutely loved it um I liked some of the yeah. stories in it but like I like some of the stories I don't think it was I think my frustration with it it wasn't exactly marketed the way it was yes. marketed did not it seemed like we were getting a Luke Skywalker book, not a book I about agree. like the legend around Luke Skywalker. And it makes a hundred percent sense now, having seen The Last Jedi, why mm-hmm. they would do a book like that. Um, because you needed to like, you know, hype up the legend around him and like see what kind of, you know, force he was like when he was around. But um anyway, so yeah, so we've got those two books coming. And then in yeah. Star Wars Nine casting, Dom Monahan and uh, Matt Smith have both been Announced as in yeah. Star Wars Episode Nine, which is uh, like I'm excited. So also, Carrie Russell was announced yes, um, this yeah, summer, her, and yeah. you know the the biggest announcement I think is um, obviously we're getting Lando back, which is super yep. super exciting. But with every casting announcement, I'm kind of like, all right, guys, could we're you give us some color. people of color, please? Yeah. Yeah. Like. I'm so excited to be posting like garbage trash posts that are Lord of the Rings Star Wars memes. <laughs> Thanks to Donnie oh, my God, no. the cast. Oh. But like come on, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. Like I just I'm kind of not paying attention right now, a lot of attention yeah. to Star Wars up episode nine stuff, just because it is far away and like my attention span is so short. It is so far away. Yeah, I just don't have the, like, bandwidth to, like, deal with it. Like, I'll probably start paying attention to it when the first teaser comes out, because that's usually what I do. And, and we'll dissect it, don't worry. Oh, yeah. But that being said, <laughs> like, I am excited. Like, I love Dom Monaghan so much. I think he's really yes. underutilized as an actor. I think he has a lot of range. I think he's just really good. Um, but I would love to see more, especially women of color, Yes, agreed. I think Naomi Aki has been cast, but mm-hmm. I don't know in what so, capacity. Um, it would be really nice, and that, that's all I'm saying. But that's we, all we I'm are saying, still we are excited. We are still excited. Um, we are still excited. And then, oh, and then the other biggest thing, yeah, is San Diego Comic Con. There's so much. There's so much. This so I missed the announcement. Yes. And Sapna was kind enough to text me while I was standing she in was, line to go and. To the press room. I think I think what people don't get about like cons, whether it's Star Wars Celebration or New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con, is that if you're there, unless you are in the panel where the thing is being announced, you are the last person to know. Yep. Like you don't <laughs> there's no like news service that like they don't like broadcast like there's like a there's like a courier running around yeah like like some people are like oh you have to Uh be on site to report I'm like it's a lot more effective I think I think for like you know live panel stuff and stuff like that yeah absolutely being on site is important but if you're just reporting news it's a lot more effective to be at home Yes, agreed. I had no idea. And I'm like in line to get into this press room to do some interview or something. And I get these texts from Sopna and all I can do is like button smash. Yeah. Whatever the equivalent of like button smashing on my iPhone is to Sopna be like, oh my God. Because I was like, there's a new season season of the Clone Wars. Yep. Oh my God. I'm so excited. So we have talked a lot about how Clone Wars ended before, um, 
before it was canceled before they could bring it to the ending that they wanted to and how mm-hmm. Dave Maloney, I think, and the team, uh, expressed a lot of that, you know, frustration and tried to close some of those storylines in rebels and how it made rebels a little more difficult to stand on its own yep. because of that. So I'm really excited that they're getting the chance now. And I believe it is one final season. I don't think they're planning on, um, I might be wrong about that, but from what I've read, it's just one season. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not, you know, it's not going to be like they're bringing the full show back, but just, um, to kind of wrap up the storylines that, um, were missed. And I'm really, really excited to see what, what they cover. And what we can get from Ahsoka Tano, who I still to this day don't feel like she is, I think she's supported by fandom, but I feel like from a story basis, she could be getting so much more because there's so much out of her life that we don't know, barring um, the snippets we get of her in Rebels and the uh, E.K. Johnston YA novel, which is incredible. And if you haven't read it, like it's a must read. So I want more Ahsoka mm-hmm. always. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that this will show Ahsoka after she, um, if you haven't seen Clone Wars, spoiler alert, if you, um, after she leaves the Jedi Order at the end of the Clone Wars series, um, this will show um, kind of her as like a, like she goes basically freelances for the Jedi Order as a general and like leads clones into battle and stuff like that. So she still kind of does that work and I'm hoping we can see some of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Same. I'm, I'm excited to see what her relationship with Anakin is like mm-hmm. after. I'm also excited to see the relationship between Anakin and Padme because the re- that really yes. started crumbling in those last season. That last oh, season, it's going to be so full of angst. Yeah, there's going to be so much angst, and there's he's going to be so angry, like A N G R E H, like angry, like he is going to be such an angry boy, and like <laughs> he's going to be such an angry boy. Like I'm, I'm really excited because, like, I know it seems weird to be like I'm really excited to see this relationship that I absolutely love from the Clone Wars crumble, but it's more I need. Like, the the leap between... There's still a little bit of a leap with them, too, mm-hmm. between the end of Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. And I, I, I want to get there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And so there's a lot I want to see. So we did get a question um, about asking about what episodes of the Clone Wars should you we watch before... Um, if we had like recommended episodes to watch before um, the new final season comes out. And honestly, that's really hard just because Mm -hmm. we don't know what the final season will focus on. Like we don't know. Yes. It's hard to tell you what to watch. Right. Because we don't know if like, if like, do you need to watch the Mandalore stuff? Like, I don't know. I think the Mandalore stuff, maybe I think that might be important, but like, or do you need to just watch, like, Ahsoka's... Will there be a lot of Ahsoka, so you need to watch Ahsoka's arc? Um, or mm-hmm. is there, like, you know, are they... I don't think this will happen. Are they going to... But are they going to go back to Mortis? You know, if so, do you need to watch the Mortis episode? Right. But, like, there's a there's just that show. It's, you know, it's five seasons. It encompasses so much. Um, so I think getting closer once we get some episode descriptions and they start talking a little more about what the season 
will entail, um, we'll be able to make better recommendations. But right now, it's yes. just right now, honestly, I feel like both of our recommendations is the entire thing minus the Jar Jar Binks episodes. Yeah, you don't need to watch the Jar Jar Binks focused episodes. Yeah, they're so boring. But everything else is pretty important. Yeah. Um, but you can always we'll put a link to a um, Kotaku piece on episodes to watch in the Clone Wars, the essential Clone Wars episodes. But it's a really long um, list, so I don't feel like their philosophy <laughs> is much different than our philosophy. So like just watch everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically. Um, and that's not helpful and I recognize that and I'm sorry, but like, I, I I don't know what to like right now. Hopefully, like I said, once, um, we get some, a little more information about what they'll be focusing on, oh, we can do a little better. Yes. Yes. And Um, maybe even like after we've watched through the first season, that, that final season, we'll be able to gather our thoughts a little better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cause it has been a while too for both of us. And so it's hard to, like, pinpoint where stuff that we've learned about the, you know, Clone Wars overall has come from. Like, mm-hmm. what episode you, you know, and that type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, once it gets closer, I think it's supposed to premiere next year. So, on Disney's streaming service. Uh, I know. So. How many streaming services do I have to sign up for? So they have said that it will be less expensive than Netflix because there will basically be less content, which makes sense and is true. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I know. I don't like it. <laughs> but um, right, but on to something you do like. I do like. So they announced. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, okay, can I talk about this without crying? Here's the question. Okay. So, um <laughs> Star Trek Las Vegas is like the big um, Star Trek convention every year. And it's kind of since the kind of renaissance of Star Trek, you know, like with the renaissance of Star Trek with uh, Star Trek Discovery, um, it's kind of risen in prominence once again. Like think of the difference between of celebration, um, you know, pre the announcement of The Force Awakens versus, you know, post like Star Wars Celebration is a completely different animal. Between those two, same thing. I think I feel like it's the same thing with uh, Star Wars Celebration. Is this Star Trek Las Vegas? I'm not sure if I switched those while I was talking because pregnancy <laughs> brain, which is a real thing. Anyways, you know what you mean. Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, so they made some really interesting announce- Star Trek announcements, as you can imagine there. But the one that like took over the internet was that um, Patrick Stewart will be returning to the Star Trek franchise. <laughs> In the role of Jean-Luc Picard, and there will be a brand new series about the character. We don't know. That is literally all we know. The only other thing we know is that it will be set 20 years after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. So that's all we know. Um, Star Trek Nemesis was the last next-gen movie. Um, very subpar, but I think it was Tom Hardy's first acting role, or major acting role. So, really? Yeah, I think so. Um, huh. Yeah. Um, and he's adorable in it, um, plays, you know, like he's, he's adorable, but the movie's terrible. Um, <laughs> but I'm real, as you can imagine, I am s- like so over the moon excited for multiple reasons. First of all, I think this is, I, I wrote an entire article about this on sci-fi that I'll link, but, um, that I think that this is a great move, second move for them. Like they needed to establish something different which they did with discovery and now they can kind of go back and draw nostalgia like i think that's a great move he's like 
one of the most popular, I feel like he's one of the most popular sci-fi characters in history. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's just Captain, everyone, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, loves Captain, loves Patrick Stewart, loves, you know, kind of Captain Picard. And, like, dude, things are rough right now. Like, the world's a rough place, and a lot of us learned morality and, you know, like, how to treat each other and the way to value other people. Like, we learned that stuff from from Star Trek The Next Generation. I did. Yes. And I learned, yes. like, by values, and I learned that, like, you know, it's important to put other, you know, to take into account the other people. You know, diversity is important. Like, all these ish- values came from that show. So I think mm-hmm. it's, like, a great, like... We need this right now. Yes, I agree. So I don't know what form it'll take. It will be on CBS All Access. So for those of you who keep asking me when Star Trek Discovery will come to Netflix, the answer is never. Um, I really, at this point, don't think they're going to put it because it's such a success on their own. And then now they're branching out to all these other shows. There's really no reason for There's mm-hmm. no one. If, if they're if they're basically, um, if they're basically, running cbs all access on star trek like if that's like the home of star trek there's no reason for them to put it on other like other streaming services um so and if they're smart which they have been thus far for the most part um they'll stagger these shows so you can't just like sign up for you know like yeah they're not gonna run them concurrently they'll run them they'll stagger them but so um i do sympathize with everyone as, as we were just complaining like three minutes ago <laughs> that does not want to sign up for another um, streaming service, my advice would be if you haven't watched season season two of Discovery is premiering early next year, um, I would just, you know, sign up for a month. They're going to and they're going to divide it. I'm, I talked a little bit about this, I think, on our previous episode, how there has been conflict in the writer's room. So they're going to air five episodes and then go on hiatus. So, like, you can just sign up, binge the five episodes, and then sign up later, and then binge whatever's left, and then hopefully by then the Captain Picard series will at least have some dates. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's not great. But the good news is Captain Picard series! I Even I'm excited yeah. about this. Like, I'm not... You, I've seen, as you know, some Star Trek. We we talked about the next-gen episodes I watched that you yeah. wanted me to watch, which was great. Um but I do love Captain Picard. He's like, Captain he's, how could you not? So good. Like just, he's, he's so, so good. good. And he's such a like good person. And like, he's such a, yes. like the character is so good. And like, I don't know what they'll do with the show. You know, there's been like all kinds of stuff. Um, like, all kinds of theories like Starfleet Academy show which I would watch I mean I would watch it doesn't matter but like I'm, <laughs> th- I think that's my point it doesn't matter what they do like even if they make him this like kind of bitter like man who has you know has kind of lost faith in like Starfleet like I will be a little sad are they gonna I'll, Luke Skywalker him yeah like I'm like I'll still watch it because he'll come back eventually because yes. they know you know they're they know how valuable the character is and they know how important the character is so yes you know um, yes. Okay. So that is one piece of Star Trek news. The other piece of Star Trek news is the Star Trek J.J. Abrams movie, which is, um, if you're not familiar with the way the Star Trek universes work, there's two different universes now. There's the, uh, TV universe, which is the regular universe that we all know, um, from the, all the TV shows and the old movies. And then there's the J.J. Abrams verse, also called the Kelvin verse, which is an alternate timeline. So different universes. 
Um, Star Trek Four, both Chris Pine, who plays Captain Kirk, and Chris Hemsworth, who plays his father, George Kirk, have walked away from negotiations. So the status of the movie is in limbo right now. We don't know what's going on. Um, I don't know if this is a stunt or I don't know if that movie is not happening. Star Trek three, Star Trek beyond. I really, really enjoyed that movie, but it underperformed. So, um, I'm guessing they were offering a lower salary. Um, and yeah, Chris Hemsworth, there's going to be some sort of time travel, obviously, because if you've seen the movies, Chris Hemsworth died in the first movie. That was like a big plot point. Um, to save his like mm-hmm. his newborn son, and so I don't really know. I don't know what they're going to do, but um, I do hope they figure it out because I do really enjoy the Abrams movies. I don't think they're. I think they're. I, I don't. They're more Star Wars than Star Trek to me in my head, but I don't care. Like more Star Trek is yeah. Like the way like it's it's very hard to have Star. Trek exclusively as movies because so much of it happens in the moments in between like so much of what mm-hmm. I love about the shows happens in the moments in between which you don't really have time for in a movie um but like the science and the you know like a lot of that um but yeah I hope that that's not the end of this the movie these movies because they're really good I, I really enjoy I, like I mean minus the, minus the second one minus the second one we're not talking about we're uh, not talking about Into Darkness yeah. but I feel like they could recast, though. I feel like they could, but I mean, and, and the rest, yeah, and the rest of the cast is signed on. Um, oh, so they could. I don't know. They could just make a Spock movie. I'd be fine with that. I think everybody would be fine yeah. with that. Oh, because um, Ethan Peck just got cast. Yeah, Ethan Peck got cast as Spock in the as um, Spock in the Discovery, right? The, yeah, because season two of Discovery is going to feature Spock, um, or I think it's going to be more of a search for Spock type situation. I don't think we're going to see Spock until the end of the story arc. Um, and are you so, are you impressed that I that I knew I that? am impressed that you smiled when I said the search for Spock. Um, <laughs> because if you aren't if you aren't aware, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock is. Um, a a substandard Star Trek movie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know. I love that movie. Very few other people do, and I understand why. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, anyway, yeah, they could recast, um, or they could just, you know, but I will say Ethan Peck has a very Zachary Quinto-looking face. He does. So I am very pleased with that kind of parallel. Because Zachary Quinto yeah. does not have a super Leonard Nimoy looking face, so it's really interesting that they're kind of going with the Zachary Quinto look than a. Well, I'm Leonard not even Nimoy sure looks. I could think of somebody that has like a Leonard Nimoy yeah, face. Yeah, so I, like, so distinct. Yeah. Oh. I'm like um, looking at our list. Yeah. Oh. So the last thing in the news portion that we wanted to discuss, and this is just because it's such a rumor and it dropped two days ago. And it might not even be true, but. It might not even be true, but it got everybody really excited, myself included, is that Oscar Isaac supposedly had a meeting with Warner Brothers about the new Batman movie. It doesn't, no one knows what it was for. No, like. That's not to say. That's not to say that he was because, like, I think the rumor that was going around that got debunked was that he was meeting to star in the Batman movie as Batman. But we don't know what it is. I would kill for Oscar Isaac as Bruce Wayne at Batman. I mean, I would. I think that would be incredible. It would be an amazing casting, like amazing. But I don't. I don't know. We don't know that that's what it was. We don't know that this meeting even happened. But 
Um, but I do think that those these movies need as much help as they can get. I don't. I think we've talked on the show before where I think the biggest problem that DC movies tend to have is their they don't meet the potential of what they could be. Yeah. And that's what's so disappointing about mm-hmm. them. Like, I think both, um, I think casting Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne was a mistake. I think they should have gone with something. I, I don't, actually really liked him as Bruce Wayne. I don't think he's bad in the role necessarily, but I think they should have gone with a more daring casting choice. I agree. I, it like, was I don't think safe. he's wrong for the role. I, I actually, in Justice League... Um, him in Justice, like him as Bruce Wayne in Justice League, was one of the few things I liked about that movie. He's he's great in the Bruce Wayne role when they give him a chance to be Bruce Wayne. I haven't seen Justice League. I just watched. This is based entirely off Batman versus Superman. Um, he's, I actually liked Justice League a lot more than Batman versus Superman. That's not to really say I loved it. yeah okay um, because you All know right. Joss Whedon went back in and like you know recut and refilmed right, the entire yeah. thing. So there's a lot of like. There's there's a lot more humor in it, um, which sometimes feels forced. But there's also some jabs at some of the worst lines of BVS, which is like, "Do you bleed?" Uh, <laughs> like there's some there's some there's some good jabs. It's it's not it's still not a, it's still not it wasn't my favorite movie. Like I'm sorry, I know like we like rag on these movies a lot, and there are people out there who like them. So I don't want to be like mean about it. No, but but there's. But goodness in them. Jason Momoa's Aquaman was X. I loved, like, so excited for Aquaman. Like, I mean, he was so (laughs) so excited for Aquaman. I think. I think what I liked about it is it took the focus off of Bruce and like let like it 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 gave like you know Ezra Miller as the Flash and Mm -hmm. there has to be room for joy. Yeah, and there it gave it gave a little more. Um, and I really liked how Ezra Miller played the Flash too. It was very mm-hmm. different than like Grant Gustin in the TV show. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's worth it's worth watching if like you can find it on streaming. I wouldn't necessarily pay to watch it. All right, noted. I will say that two things we didn't write down but came out of San Diego Comic Con. One is the Aquaman trailer, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I have to say, I uh, it looks so camp. I'm and so it. silly. I'm here, but for I'm it. super here for it. And Asian American director, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Momoa leading, which is also super exciting. And it looks like he's having a good time. Yeah, yeah, right. Like I feel like that's one of my favorite things when you can watch something. And you're like, everyone is having an amazing time making this. Yes, I like agree. you can tell, right? When they just clearly, like, that joy comes across, especially, like you were saying, like, right now the world is so intense and sometimes difficult to parse and pay attention to that I just want to watch a lot of, like, goodness. Yes. And people being happy. Yeah, I agree. And Justice League is not necessarily that. So, like, I'm I'm sure every time I talk (laughs) about a terrible movie that I don't think is that bad, I get, like, eight tweets from listeners being like, that movie was terrible. And I'm like, I'm not saying it's not terrible. (laughs) I'm not trying to say it's, like, good by any standard of the word good. But you forget how much I like Thor 2 The Dark World. My taste (laughs) is really bad. Oh my god! So I went to LA for I went to LA for this wedding for one of my best friends' wedding, and um, the girl and like a couple of, I went a couple of weeks ago, and um, 
the girl on the way back, it's five and a half hour flight. The way back, the only movie the girl had on the girl sitting next to me had on her phone was Thor to the Dark World. And so she just watched <laughs> it on loop. And oh I was God. like, I was like, I like, I like that movie better than any human, I think. And I could not do that. That's amazing. Like, I was just like, oh, of, no. Of all the movies. Like, why would that be the only movie you have? I wonder if she, like, meant to download something else and accidentally just downloaded that one. Because I, like, looked over her shoulder and she was, like, three quarters done with it. And I look over her shoulder. I'm like, what movie is that? And I'm kind of, like, looking. And I'm like, oh, Thor to the Dark World. She's watching the end of that. Ha ha. And then I, like, go back to my iPad. And then I look over, like, ten minutes later and, like, or, like, you know, like, 20 minutes later, and it's, like, started, and, like, she's, like, at the scene where, like, Jane and, like, what's his name, we're on, are on the date at the beginning of the movie. I'm, like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is the only movie she has on her phone. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Okay. That was my Thor to the Dark World, like. Aside. I, I, I know, that's my favorite thing sometimes I'll tell my brother when he asks me like if something's good I'll be like it's not good but it's fun yeah like that's what like so much of my stuff is like no it's not good but like and with Justice League it's like fun. I, I do try to give the DC movies a fair shake because I actually do want that universe to do well and succeed yes and so Justice League gets it's it's like one step in the right direction I'll say Oh my gosh. I don't, did I talk about Ninja Batman on this podcast yet? No, I don't think so. Did we, did we talk about that? Cause I watched that a couple months ago. So one thing that's so frustrating about the DC universe to me is that their animated universe is yeah. so good, yeah. right? There's so much quality stuff that comes out of animated DC shows. And I watched Ninja Batman I don't think we've or talked Batman about Ninja, this. Ninja Batman? Batman Ninja. I don't remember. It is a Japanese film. It's like Japanese creators. I think it, it was done in Japan and then dubbed in English. The basic premise is that Bruce Wayne and a bunch of other people have been sent back to feudal Japan. Like, the Joker is there. Catwoman is there. Um, the talking gorilla, Grog. I can't remember his name. Yeah. He was there, like... All of these, all of these characters have been sent back to feudal Japan, and it is the most bananas thing I have ever seen. My friend and I watched it, and we were. I was like, I wish it was three in the morning, and that we were really drunk right now because I can't believe what we just sat through. And I feel like this would be amazing if it was three a.m., but because it's not, we just kind of sat there like with our mouths open, staring at the screen because we couldn't believe what we were watching. Every time you think it can't get weirder, it got weirder. Oh, my God. It was incredible. So There's you're saying... sequence. So I'm saying what? I was going to say, so you're saying when it's 3 a.m. and I'm awake with the baby, I should watch this watch movie. Watch this movie. Okay, okay. There is a sequence where a bunch of monkeys form into a giant, like, uh, golem thing. Mm-hmm. Like, math, to fight... Wow. Whatever. They're fighting another big thing. And then they combine with a bunch of bats to create a massive bat man. <laughs> That's a choice. <laughs> it's incredible. It's it, is, it is not good, but it is really fun. And the animation is, like, outstanding. Of like, course. some of the animation sequences are just 
breathtakingly beautiful. But who boy, it was a trip. It was a trip and a half. <laughs> um, okay, so we we got some, we, we have we have totally we left went our way agenda. Okay, okay, so okay, so this was Preeti's first time at San. I've never been to San Diego Comic Con, and this was Preeti's first time at San Diego Comic Con. So yes, tell us what it was like. Whew. It is a lot. Yeah, I did not spend a lot of time on the floor. I got very overwhelmed very quickly. Um, it is so many people. And the difference between New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con, New York Comic Con is at the convention center, period. Yeah. There might be some, like, parties or whatever at random bars or restaurants. There's sometimes panels at, like, you know, a few blocks away here and there. But. Yeah, like, but very minimal. Like, yeah. very, very minimal. The entire downtown San Diego, like, area is taken over by... Oh, what did they? They were like experiences or events or something like that. Can't remember what the word they used for them was, but literally, like, there's a massive, like, good place interactive experience that you could go into. Or um, I think there was like a Jack Ryan thing. Maybe there were a bunch of like experiences that you don't even need a badge to get into. Oh. You can experience Comic Con without going to Comic Con, which is kind of cool. But that it is. also meant that it was like a ton of people. You can't escape it. Like, there was no getting away from it, which was a lot. Um, But I was on a panel, The Fake Geek Girl Fallacy, uh, with a bunch of other women authors talking about gatekeeping and what it's like being a woman in nerd culture and stuff. And so that was really, really fun. Um, uh, I did some interviews. It It was a cool experience. I don't know that I would ever go... If I wasn't paid to go. Yeah, because you went for work. I went for work. I don't, I personally don't see the appeal of waiting in insanely long lines. Right. Um, And and add to that, like, the cross-country ticket, like. The cross-country ticket. And it's pretty hot. You know, it's, like, in the middle of, it's San Diego, but it's still in the middle of summer. Um, The best thing we did (laughs) We were the, best. the most exciting thing I did was I got to go to a Taco Bell. <laughs> yes, I was going to ask. I was like, did you go to Taco Bell? Because <laughs> I sent her this email like, like, a, like a month or so before SECC about like a Demolition Man themed Taco Bell. Yeah. So I guess I've never seen Demolition Man. I haven't Man, either. There's like something that happens in Demolition Man called the Fast Food Wars and Taco Bell won. So Taco Bell is like high dining in Demolition Man. So they set it's up. high dining now. It's high dining now. That's true. Um, (laughs) They set up like a Taco Bell, like it was like this really fancy dining experience. And again, this was one that I covered. So I was able to go for press because there were people who waited in line for that for four hours and didn't get in. Okay. So I would be like, I like Taco Bell, but I don't like it that much. I don't like anything that much. No. Um, No. But it was, like, super fancy. All of the dishes were served in stainless steel. There were, like, waiters wearing, like, really fancy costumes. They were, like, futuristic tuxedos, sort of. It was really fun. It was silly and fun. Was it, like, the like, same food or was the food dressed up? The food was different. So they we had, like, French fries with cheese that were called something else. Um, these really gross, like, they had, like, it was like six chips, six nacho chips on a stainless steel plate. Each nacho chip had a different little tiny dollop of something on top okay. of it. So it was like that. It was a like crudite. It was like, it was not good. 
I was like, I really wish I could have just gotten a bean burrito and a Mexican pizza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was a fun and silly experience, which I was like, this is fun. Yeah. If I had had to wait in line for like 20 minutes, I would have done it. Uh, and I'm guessing you had to pay for your food after waiting. No, in line. no, 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 no. Okay. It was free. So, okay. 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 So you wait in line, you got, you got a free three course meal. Oh, okay. Like at the the dessert was like cinnamon twists, but in like an aerated strawberry flan. It was really good, actually. It was really tasty. <laughs> I have a look on my face right now. I know. Um, yeah, a, a look but, of complete and utter disbelief. Like, oh, that's really that's good. Like, okay. Um, no, but uh, well, at least it was free. Like, I'm not. I, I'm nice to wouldn't have waited four hours in line, but. Yes, it was totally free. Okay, by um, the way, by the way, though, <clears throat> a correction, because we say I wouldn't wait in line for anything that long, but we waited in line for that <laughs> Star Wars panel for, like, how long? Right, that's not true. Yeah. Star Wars, we'll wait in line for Star yes, Wars. Yes, we'll wait in line for Star Wars. <laughs> um, but that came out of it, and we'll link to this in the show notes. I did get to interview E.K. Johnston about... Padme, yes. which was really cool. Um, went to I went, I only went to one or two panels. I really spent the time running around meetings and interviews and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think I prefer New York Comic Con, which a lot of people were like, "Really?" Yeah, because like, yes. everybody tells me that they prefer San Diego because it's a little more laid back than New York. New York just feels like it was so it's New York feels so much more manageable. Mm -hmm. San Diego, I was like, how can you do every like if you're in line for Hall H, that's it. You're not doing anything Mm -hmm. else but Hall H. Those the lines for that to get in to see like the previews and those panels were it was like I can't it was it was like Star Wars celebration, but it almost felt like even more people. Mm -hmm. It probably was more people. It probably was more people. It's just too much for me. New York yeah. Comic Con, I like go to the Javits Center, then I leave the Javits Center, and it's done. Yeah, is it like? <laughs> is it also like you? You just know New York well enough to know how to like navigate it, and you know the different pieces you want a, to go to, and you they, what you do. True, don't. there's also that. Like I know where the secret bathroom is at the yeah. Javits Center. You know, yeah. like although I, I didn't have an issue with bathrooms. The only the biggest issue we had was one day when it was like um, we were really hungry and we couldn't find anything to eat because there's so many people yeah. that there you can't even go to a restaurant. I was going to say that's a nice thing about New York. You can walk like two blocks off Javits and find like yes. a restaurant that has and availability. And you can find somewhere to eat. Um, oh, we also had the Nerds of Color party there because yeah. um, there was a Nerds of Color anniversary, which was very fun. That was like that was really cool. It was in a space that was all people of color. Um, and allies, and we're just celebrating existing and existing in a space that traditionally doesn't always welcome us. So that was yeah, really fun. That's fun. That was nice. Um, but yeah, those are like the highlights, I guess. Uh, we talked about the big news that came out of it that we were excited about. Um, yeah, no, looking forward to New York Comic Con, surprisingly. Yeah. Looking like looking forward to going to a con that I know how to. I was gonna say that is surprising because I feel like. We're always usually I'm like, oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I'm so glad I'm not going to Comic-Con this year. It's a con for a year for me. I'm very happy about it. Wait till next year. I know. We'll see. We'll see. I told I told someone that we should do a basic geek girls panel at Comic-Con. I know. I would love to do that. That I could come up for like a day for that, too. See, stay for the whole thing. So we'll see. Um, Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Asian people. (laughs) 
Let's talk about Asian people. Let's talk about Asians. This Asian Americans killing it right now. Killing it. This has been a great month um, for so many different aspects of, for the most part, East Asian representation. But, mm-hmm. you know, what is good for the group can be good for all of us, yeah, I think. Absolutely. So Crazy Rich Asians, I saw a couple of weeks ago, and it was exactly what I wanted it to be, which was a fun romantic comedy that doesn't have to, like doesn't mean any more than what it was. Yes. You know, it's it's problematic cuz nothing is not problematic. Yep. But no more or no less than every other romantic comedy is. It's not it's not a story about pain the pain of people of color. No. It's just a fun like and and the response has just been overwhelming. It's not just Asian Americans who have loved this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like anyone who loves rom coms, anyone who loves like have attractive has, people <laughs> has really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> and that's not to say everyone has liked it. And this has been a thing that has gone around. Um, it's not to say everyone has liked it for one reason or another. I mean, there are aspects of it that are problematic. Um, another issue is some people don't like romantic comedies, and that's okay. Like you don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. Like, you can acknowledge that this movie is a huge step forward for multiple reasons um, without actually, like, you can, it is okay to say this movie is not for me, but I'm glad to see what it's doing for my community if you're Asian or this community if you're not. Like, there's, there's, um, you know, it's gotten a lot of, one thing that it's, the goal of this movie is not to represent Asian people. It's to represent a very specific piece of this ridiculously wealthy elite within the Asian community yeah. in kind of a heightened and ridiculous way. Yeah. And so for the most part, like that's what it does. There was one scene in the movie that rubbed me the wrong way, but not in any way that I would be like, don't see this movie because of this one scene. Right. You know, this movie isn't about, South Asian people or whatever who also exist in big in a big way in Singapore yeah. and you know the other communities it was this family it was very much this family and this family's wealth and their connections right there's like one weird scene with some South Asian guards that made me very uncomfortable that yeah. I was like ah, you know could have done without that um but at the end of the day, I'm glad that this movie is making money and it's proving that not only will it, well, it's proving that Asian people will come to the audience. Like, yep. it proves that not only Asian people, but non-white audiences in general, I think made up 62% or something of the opening weekend yep. for this movie, which exceeded expectations by so much. Like, I think that's so important to, to show that we'll support our own community, but also that there is disposable income to be spent by non-white like moviegoers. Yeah. And I think also, like, this movie has been compared to Black Panther so much, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's not a comparison that should be made, to be frank, um, because there's, it's just two very different stories, two very different films, two very different narratives that they present, um, mm-hmm. and two very different interactions between the movie and the community. Um, both, yes. of course, very successful, but there is, a, but um, I, I, so I don't like that comparison, but it, it, there, is, there is something to be said that Crazy Rich Asians did not have the Marvel machine behind it. 
and is still doing so well. Like if you look at the if you look at the like the numbers like in terms of box office gross, like of course Black Panther did like five times you know what I mean like of course like Black it's Panther a Marvel it's movie. a Marvel movie like it does but the fact that like if you need to compare Crazy Rich Asians not to other movies about people of color because that's not the way we should be comparing See, movies to other that's not a comedy. Ba- yeah that's not a basis to compare movies like oh this movie features one community and this movie features another and they're completely different movies in different genres and in different that's uh, and like just just the like the content like in terms mm-hmm. of the stories they tell are so different. Um, yep. Um, like, but the fact compared to other rom coms, and if you look at the those numbers, it's amazing. It did. It's the first rom com since um, a rom com starring. I think it was a black actress, I believe, to do more than thirty million dollars at the box office. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's great. Yeah, and there was very little drop-off between, like, between weeks one and two. Yeah, it was, like, 6% or something, which which is is also unheard of. Yeah, which means the word of mouth is great. Is doing well. And so, because you have Crazy Rich Asians, then, of course, also to all the boys I've loved before on Netflix, um, which is based on a YA novel written by Jenny Han um, about a Korean-American girl who, it's, like, another romantic comedy, but it's, it's... how Crazy Rich Asians is to the proposal um, to All the Boys I Loved Before is to 10 Things I Hate About You. And with To All the Boys I Loved Before, um, I've, I was a little worried when it went straight to Netflix instead of going to theaters. Mm-hmm. But now I think that that accessibility has made it a lot more popular than yes, it would have I agree. been in theaters. And apparently this was the only – the production company that um, – Jenny Han went with was the only production company that was willing to keep the lead Asian American and not have it be whitewashed. Oh my God. So we got what we got out of, I mean, it's, it's so fun and silly and like young love and, you know, Lana Kandor, 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 Kandor. and uh, Noah Centineo. Kandor. Um, Both of them are just so cute. And like, it's such a sweet, story i watched it twice it was like i love it so much so speaking of um, going back to cra- the crazy rich agents really quick apparently kevin kwan gave basically did not get paid for movie rights in exchange to be able to keep some creative control because they wanted really they wanted to he like he sold the movie rights for like oh, a dollar yeah. because they wanted to um they wanted to make the main character a white woman they wanted to make rachel white i, I yeah. forgot i did read that which is um, unreal because Constance was really- like, but not surprising. Yeah. But because of the success of these things and even something like searching the new John Cho movie, which is so exciting, um, which made, what is that supposed did- to be about? I don't know much Sur- about it. I know it's oh, like a thriller a little bit. Yeah. So searching is about this guy whose daughter goes missing and um, he is trying to piece together based on, her social and internet searches and that kind of thing, what happened to her. And so it's told entirely through the screen. Okay. And it's like, I haven't watched it yet. Um, it's, I'm not a huge thriller person. Like I'm going to support oh, this I'll movie absolutely because we watch it because I am a huge, I mean, I would watch it. I, later. Yeah. It's, I'm a huge thriller person. <laughs> I feel like you'll like it. Like I'll go and be like, that was great for what it is because I don't, I don't like feeling like that. And then I want to watch it. Like, (laughs) um, but it did, it's only opened at nine, nine cities so far, I believe. 
and it did really, really well for the limited release. And so people are really excited about the um, big release happening in next week, I think, or this week, I can't remember. Um, but there have all already there have been news of projects starring Asian Americans that have been greenlit in the last two weeks because of the success of these stories. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important about them. Like, yeah, obviously, if you have a deep issue with the way something was presented, no one is going to tell you to go see it. Like, you don't, no one should watch something that makes them uncomfortable or is going to hurt them. Like, that is not what the case is. But the positives to come out of this is that more will be greenlit and more is better. I think that's idea isn't, the end goal isn't Crazy Rich Asians. Like, that's just the, that's the first step. Right. And like that, this, is, now, this, this is, is going to open the doors to a lot of, and different East Asian, Southeast Asian, South Asian, a lot of yes. new kinds of representation. Like, I can't even fathom what I would have done if there was a cast, a movie that came out that is full South Asian cast. Um, like, speaking of, I, this just occurred to me, this isn't on the thing, but can you talk a little bit? You watched Sacred Games on Netflix, right? Oh, yes, I did. I okay. watched, well, I've seen the first, the, I've seen a little bit of it. Okay. And it's, can you talk? So Sacred, Sacred Games is a, who speaking of thriller. Yeah. Uh, that's why I like, want to watch it. So I'm like, talk to me about it. Tell me, tell me. Sacred Games is a Netflix produced show or uh, distributed at least. I'm Distribu- not sure if they're yeah. the original producers. Um, that is their first major kind of prestige drama that is set in India mm-hmm. and is uh, in Hindi, like subtitled. And it's so dark, but so good. So in the first episode, you have this um, kind of upstanding police officer who is played by Saif Ali Khan, who is a very, very famous Bollywood actor. And he does a really good job. You know, Bollywood has a lot of overacting in it for what it is, which is everything is over the top. Every movie has every genre in it. Like, you know, everything is comedy, drama, tragedy, rom- romance, like everything, right? But he really does a good job of, like, kind of grounding himself in this role where he plays a police officer who wants to be a good guy but is in a very corrupt um, station. And, you know, there's a lot of corruption happening. And he gets pulled into this drama sort of with a uh, a mafia, the equivalent of, like, a mafia boss. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't really know what's happening, but they have this sort of game of cat and mouse a little bit in this first episode where the mafia boss is pulling the officer in with, like, I knew your father and this is what's happening. And you know that the mafia boss has just killed a woman in his apartment. And you don't, they just give you clues as to how they're connected and... The acting is really good. It's like, it's, it's, if you like, uh, well acted prestige, like intense like crime dramas, drama. crime drama, like mm-hmm. this is something you should pick up. It's oh. really, really, really well done. And it's just, it's available for streaming on Netflix, right? Yeah. It's all on Netflix. They've done very little promotion for it. Yeah. I didn't even know it was out until I saw you talking about it. And I was like, I need to yeah. ask her about that. And then I kept forgetting. I know GQ has written about it now, um, which is great, because I think it deserves to be seen. Mm-hmm. So Sacred Games, like 100%, look it up. If you have Netflix, watch it. Tweet about it, talk about it, like get your friends to watch it. Yes, and if you've seen it and um, uh, want to you know, tweet at us about it, like please do. I haven't seen it yet, preview seen the first episode, but like 
definitely. Let us know if you've watched it. And if you liked it. Yeah. Um, okay, going back to our Asian American versus South Asian, you know. Yeah, so uh, very, very last thing is Remy He, who is in Crazy Rich Asians, just got cast in the new Spider-Man movie, like Far this, From Home, which that title dropped in the last couple weeks, too. They make these, I feel like they make these Spider-Man movies for you. Like, they I do mean, make these Spider-Man movies for me. It's just everything I find out about Spider-Man movies, it's like, oh, that's for Preeti. <laughs> I'm so excited. I hope it. I, I don't I, – we'll, we'll save the conjecture as to what Spider-Man Far From Home could be about yeah. um, for another episode because I could go on and on and on. Um, but it's dropping July 2019, we know. Mm-hmm. And Remy Heath from Crazy Rotations has been cast, and that is very exciting. That is very exciting. Um, okay, so we're going to do a quick bit on Infinity War just because um, we got a question back in April – um, that I didn't see until like last month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Um, on basically Dr. Strange. Okay. So this is a infinity. Uh, so I don't think really the movie's out now for streaming and for purchase. Like, so I don't think we need to do like spoiler time stamps, but, um, basically asking the decision that Dr. Strange made to hand over the, um, time stone, to Thanos, which Preeti and I both remarked, is just very weird. Clearly there was more going on there, and he had seen yes. something in his vision because we didn't – it didn't make sense otherwise. Um, the key to winning is handing over the stone to Thanos at that time um, versus mm-hmm. res- trying to resist longer. So, so someone asked if we thought that maybe it was that Tony needed to be alive because he had to sacrifice himself at a certain time to um. – I think, I mean, that's possible. I think from what we know right now of Avengers 4, there's going to be time travel involved. Um, we're not, we know, we suspect, because there has been um, some, there have been filming scenes from what looked like the Battle of New York, except Ant-Man's there. So, really? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they've been filming, they've been filming scenes. Thor has long hair again. What? So... And it doesn't seem like they're trying to, like, they're not trying to hide this. So, like, like they're not trying to be, like, super coy about it. Um, so I think time travel will be involved. So, yeah, that is absolutely possible that Tony needed to stay alive for, for, for that. Um, another theory, I've, because I've, I've watched this movie twice since it's come out. And I actually like it better upon rewatching, I will say. Because I know to prepare myself for the fact that it, I only get to see the first two acts of a movie. Um... Um, there was another, there's another, like, that it has to be about, we don't, Cap says over and over to, um, to Vision that, like, we don't trade people. We don't sacrifice our own people just for a goal, but that's what Thanos does over and over again to get the stones, and we know the stones have a will of their own, so there's some sort of theory that, like, the heroes have to act in a way that is not self-serving and they can't, you know, like the lives are more important than the stones. And Mm -hmm. so if Dr. Strange had resisted, um, and let Tony and Peter die, then, um, he would have been trading lives for the stone. And so that's another theory. I'm not really sure. I don't, I have no, like Avengers 4 is one of those things. Like there's enough information to start putting together a kind of, 
they're, they're, to put together some sort of picture of how it'll go, but I have no idea how those pieces align or, and I'm fine not knowing, honestly, that's a movie. I'm fine. Just like going in and being like, all right, let's see how you wrap this thing up. I just don't know if I think Tony Stark would. The question was about sacrifice. Yeah. Or, or if he needs to die at, a, at the right time. I think that, I think that he Tony's will not retire and I think Cap will die. Yeah, I agree. I don't think What Tony's I want, though, is for Tony to die and Cap to become old man Cap. Yeah, I agree. I would love but to see whatever. Cap as old man Cap. I would love Cap as old man Cap. Um, I would love to see that, but I think Chris Evans has made it pretty clear he's done. Yep. He no longer, that's fine. Yeah, that's um, okay. More to come on Infinity War when it comes out next year. Or the, yeah, the second one. The, whatever, we don't even know the title yet, do we? Avengers we don't. We and don't know the title. And someone was pointing out that, like, we haven't seen any images from the Captain Marvel movie yet, which is weird. And I'm like, it I still, weird. I still don't think they're making it. <laughs> okay, so if, like, you guys don't know, like, Preeti and I were convinced for, like, four, because it took so long for this movie to come to development. And it kept getting delayed, delayed, and Preeti and I were just convinced that this movie was never going to get made. And we just yep. kept, like, telling people who were like, oh, when's that movie coming out? And we're like, never. They're like, they're not making it. Never. They're never <laughs> making that movie. And so still, like, I, I, I'm still convinced they're never making this movie, even though it's supposed to come out in February. It's weird. It's weird yeah. that we haven't seen anything. Yeah, it is weird. Well, I don't know. Maybe they'll, Maybe there will be a trailer with... Maybe we'll get a trailer at Aquaman. Maybe we'll get a trailer or with, with, um, um, with Spider Man. No, like Spider-Man's, into the Spider Verse. Oh, into the Spider Verse. I into was like, the, into the Spider Verse. I was like, Spider Man's coming out after. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Into the Spider Verse, which looks amazing. Yeah, because we don't Who have any more Marvel movies coming out this year, do we? And there's no, no, there's no Star Wars movies coming out this year that they can. No. Nope. Actually, I don't know what the big movie is going to be in December. Yeah, I don't either. Um, it's going to be weird. Okay, and then there's one more. Sorry to bother oh, you. That's yours. I wanted to mention sorry to bother you because I think it is – it's so hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I really just want to mention it because I want people to go see it because I think it's a movie that should be talked about. It is one of the best, like, anti-capitalist, um, thought-provoking, and just truly new – like new it's a new story mm-hmm. it's unlike anything i've ever seen or read and that is so rare in this day and age i've seen a lot I of people just, talking about it but i have no idea what it's about and i think I, that's it, deliberate it's very deliberate it is on the surface very much about this guy um played by lakeith stanfield who is amazing in the role who gets a job at like a telemarketing firm and has to use his white voice, which is voiced by David Cross. That's interesting. And that's the, yeah, that's the only way he can get people like people to stay on the phone. Uh, and him moving up in this sort of uh, business while his friends are trying to strike and form a union for better pay and better benefits. Um, it's absurd. It's it's like very absurdist comedy. Um, and it's, like I said, it's hard to talk about because go in blind, don't read anything about it. Mm -hmm. Don't look anything up. Just go and see the movie if it is playing 
and just experience it because I'm so glad I didn't know anything going into this movie. Like, I'm so glad I went, I, I went and like my jaw dropped and I like out loud in the middle movie was like, what? <laughs> like, I cannot oversell this. Like go see it and then please write to us. Mm-hmm. But Put something so Sopna doesn't read I was going to say write to Preeti because uh, write to I me. haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can at me on Twitter if you've seen it and we can discuss it because it's, it's so good and so strange. And again, not, not problematic because the, the Tessa Thompson's character could have been better fleshed out and there could have been like, there should have been a stronger female voice in the narrative, but the movie is just so different. It's like you'll that's all I can say about it is that it's, it's so rare to experience something where like you literally cannot guess where it's going. Yeah. It is. It is. And so that's that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You guys, you made it through like a lot of, if you're still listening, like you made it through a I lot. I know. Of, like, and really there's still just like stuff. very, very quick things. Yeah. But now we're, we're at the, what we love right now section. So yes. Pretty, what do you love right now? Oh my gosh. So right now I am, all Harry Potter all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm reading the books right now. I'm rereading them back to back, which I've not done. I started on, I started Wait, two weeks ago. you've never done that? Huh? You've never done back that? Back to back? Just, no. Oh my God. Like, I used literally, to do, I, I was going to say, I used to do it once a year. I, I, every, I just, this this I year I haven't, but every other year I've done, I've done them back to back once a year all the way through. I've never done it because I work. So because I have to read for work so much, it always gets interrupted by something else. Yeah. There's definitely stuff I should be reading for work right now. Yeah. But I'm home. I've been home for a couple of weeks. Um, and so two weeks ago I started reading, I picked up the first one and now I'm on book six and it has been such a trip that all I want to do is like read these books. I also just saw the cursed child on Broadway. All right. Um, about three weeks ago, I, we bought tickets last year. Yeah. Literally, we bought tickets like October 2017, and our tickets were for August 2018. And it was out. It was just, I know the play is worth seeing because the way they do magic on stage is so cool and like at times so scary. Um, if it's, I know it's expensive and it's hard to get to, but if you are able, I highly, highly recommend going. Even if you just see part two, like there's cool stuff in part one, but part two, there is just some of the stuff they do is just so interesting. Um, I also saw Moulin Rouge on on stage recently. They're doing previews in Boston before it comes to New York, and it was so good. I we talked about this. We're, I, we're both big Moulin Rouge stands, so like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Oh my gosh, like Aaron uh, Aaron Tveit is playing. Christian and uh, Karen Olivio of in the Heights fame is playing Satine and they updated the music. So there is this sequence that is like, um, it was toxic from Britney Spears, bad romance, the Eurythmics and, uh, something else that I can't remember, but it's like this dark, dark sequence. That's like sort of taking over the Roxanne one, but they still have Roxanne. It's, I, it was so fun. Like at the end, it ended with the entire theater singing along to, um, Hey Ya by Outcast. Like everyone in the audience, like everyone on stage, they're pulling like the 
streamer things to explode under the audience. I can't wait for it to come to Broadway so I can see it again. It was such a blast. And, like, they updated the story so it's not as, like, you know, when you rewatch the spectacular, spectacular the scene Indian, now, you're like the Indian, oh, like the, Ma- the white Maharaja and the, the white Maharaja. yeah, and the white Indian courtesan, little, little like not great. So they updated that, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, I'll be interested to see how they change it because there are some things that clearly didn't work. Uh, instead of the One Day I'll Fly Away song, they have Satine singing um, Firework by Katy Perry. Which makes no sense. It was not great. I'm hoping they'll fix that. Um, And so speaking of, I feel like right now I'm very focused on, like, romance. That's fine. So I also read The Love Quotient, which is a romance novel that just got picked up. It just got optioned, I believe. And if you like romance, it's about this, it's own voice, and it's about this girl who has, um, she has Asperger's, she's on the spectrum, and she wants to learn how to be good at sex. <laughs> and so she hires an escort. Oh my God. Who is this? <laughs> this sounds hilarious. It's amazing. He's like this really hot Asian guy, and then they end up falling in love. And she's, like, really, like, a numbers person. She's very into, like, um, seeing the connections between all of these different kinds of numbers in her job. And she's really good at it. And so that, hence the love quotient. She's, like, trying to make it an equation. It's so good. Who's it by? It's, ooh, that is a good question. Sorry, now I'm like, I kind of want to read this. It was really, really cute and, like, really funny. Helen Wong. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was really, really fun. If you like romance, like, you'll enjoy it. <sighs> okay, I'm going to, we'll come back to the other things that yes. I have listed the next episode. Um, oh, okay, so mine go. are, okay, psych, I mean, cycling, it's summer, I'm always watching cycling. So right now, <laughs> the, the Vuelta a España just started, which is, um, the, there are three grand tours that are 21 days long. Giro d'Italia is the tour of Italy, tour de France, and then now Volta a España, so the tour of Spain. Not much to say. We're still at the beginning of the tour, but just wanted to mention that that's what I'm doing, doing a lot of, like, (laughs) cycling, watching, and knitting, which is really good because, like, my attention span is not great, and, like, I'm always tired, so it's, like, really, like, good, like, kind of mindless activity. Um, as far as reading, I really, and just, I finished like last week and really enjoyed the new book, A Spark of White Fire by Sungu Mandana. Um, Sungu is a South Asian author, um, and she had previously written a YA book called The Lost Girl, which is sort of, it was like sort of a sci-fi book. So, but this is like pure, like space opera sci-fi that's kind of based on the Mahabharata, which is a um, famous India, uh, famous Hindu epic. Um, and it's just really well done. Like, I really enjoyed it. It was a really fast read. Um, and I love space operas these days. And one of my big irks, I guess you could say, with um, the state of, like, YA is doing a lot better than adult in terms of um, diversifying its um, 
just diverse, just diversifying its authors generally. But so much of um, YA science fiction and fantasy is on the fantasy side. Like you see mm-hmm. so many South Asian fantasy authors and there's, isn't a lot like sci-fi needs to catch up. So I really was so happy to read like a space opera because I love space operas. I can't wait to read this one. It's really good. It comes out November 4th or sorry, September 4th. Um, so next Tuesday. And I just really liked it. I really highly recommend it. Um, it's the first in a duology. So just be warned for those of you who don't like, don't like, um, you know, picking up a book when you don't know it's part of a, you know, series. And then finally, I'm watching, I just started Castle Rock, which is the new J.J. Abrams, Stephen King show um, on Hulu. And I am a weenie, and so I was really worried about this show, but I, lo- I, I am a J.J. I do love J.J. Abrams, and I tend to follow him, you know, kind of follow whatever he's doing. I am glad to say that so far, just the first episode, it's no scarier than Lost was, which Lost was scary. Okay. Lost was scary, right. but it was really creepy and it was really weird, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh my God, there's like an insane clown coming to murder you type scary. So I can deal with it. Like it's creepy okay. so far, but it's, it's, there's only, there was only one real like scary, like thing jumping out at you from the dark moment, which Lost definitely had those and I was able to deal with those. So, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm enjoying it so far. The main character, which I did not realize before I started was a, is a person of color. Um, I don't know the actor, but I was really just, I just didn't expect that given Stephen King. Um, and so I really happy. I was just, that was kind of like an, I was like, Oh, nice surprise. Like, Oh, dude's not white cool um but he lives in like a very white main town and so like they make like and he's adopted by white parents and um they do make some references to that in the first episode like his mom is clearly suffering from some sort of dementia and is like doesn't recognize him and she's like oh I'm not judging you I have a black I adopted a black son and it's just it's just like really it's a very subtle commentary but it was really interesting. Like it was, mm-hmm. I, I was interest. I thought it was interesting because it would be very easy um, not to address it at all, right? And they, they're not taking. It doesn't seem like anyway. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's the that aspect of it isn't problematic or anything like that. Just that was interesting to me. Um, added an interesting layer to what is other all already a very interesting show. So. All right. I was worried about how scary it would be. Like, the trailer was scary. Oh, the trailer was and super so, scary. And right? Like, and so then I didn't watch it. But now yeah. maybe I will. I'm a, I'm a total weenie. And so yeah, I, I, it's no scarier than Lost so far. Okay. From the first episode. Lost had a really scary Lost moment. Lost did have very yeah. scary moments. But, but like, Lost, those I could handle. No, no scarier than Lost or, like, season two of Stranger Things. Okay. So, don't watch right. it in the dark, but... <laughs> generally it's it's not so far it hasn't been super of course i'm only one episode in so maybe i'll let you get further and then i'll make yeah my we're gonna keep watching it because <laughs> yeah like i had to like convince ryan to watch it but now he's into it and so <laughs> um okay so <laughs> we're part of the um nerds of color podcast network the hard knock life um you, we actually, there's a nice new um, website that Keith Chow, our, our fearless leader, has put together. It's really nice looking, and you can find all of the podcasts in our family um, at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C, so hardknockmedia.com, and we'll put a link in the show notes. And, of course, we want to say thank you to all of you who continue to support us on Patreon. Thank you to Fazia and Meredith Smith at the $10 level and Jerome 
Sylvia, Martha, Brandy, Rahul, GeekHeartGames.com, Jordan, Ani, Megan, Claire, Brian, Robert, Gayatri, Maya, and the Knott family at the $5 level. We very much appreciate your support. Yes, we do. Very, very much. Um, uh, you can, find, you can us find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls. <laughs> Preeti is at Run With Skizzers. Yep, and Sona is at A.S. Krishna. And um, rate us on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, I guess it is now. We should probably upgrade, update that part of the script. Um, because we are told it helps people find the show. Um, so hopefully it does. Yep, yeah, because we keep asking you to do it. So, um, And I guess that's it. So until next time. We'll see you in we'll hell. See you in hell. <laughs>